It's always a delight to uh, preach the Word of God. Uh, many years ago, God <clears throat> called me to uh, uh, preach His gospel. And in thinking on that for a few things together at this time, I was looking into the book of uh, Titus, which reminds us with regard to uh, an acknowledging of the truth, which is always in accordance with godliness. And that we are a people in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching. Well, that preaching or heralding of the word is indeed a glorious uh, uh, situation in which God uh, places all of us and some in particular with regard to uh, pastoring and leading a church. Now at this time, as we think about uh, the era in which God is having us to live and to be a witness for Him, we uh, continue to turn to the Scriptures and consider how He constantly encourages us, ministers to us, and shows us out of the Scriptures how He can use us at the age in which we are living. We're going to pray together, and then I'm going to read from Titus chapter 2 and move from there into uh, the book of Acts and uh, just rejoice in God's good working of his word. We're going to pray. Our Father, take your word, use it for your name's sake, cause us to rejoice in you, uh, cause us to not be those that would be in despair but those that would lift up our eyes and know that our Redeemer lives and know that He is with us, He is for us, and we just thank You today. We can open Your Word and rejoice in all that You have to teach and to say to us. So bless over Your Word. Might You get the glory as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. One portion of the Word of God here in the book of Titus is that a a portion that greatly strengthens our hearts and uh, God uh, desiring to uh, leave with us a a message of encouragement in the days that we're living in has these words of hope and I greatly rejoice in them. Titus chapter 2 at verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. We believe that is the coming of the Lord Jesus. And it's teaching us God's grace. The Lord Jesus teaches us that we ought to be denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify or make himself a holy people, his own special people, zealous for good works. Uh, God, God never allows his word to be uh, hindered or Uh, weakened in such a way that it'll not go forth. This portion of Scripture presses us forward in ways to glorify Him. God has redeemed sinners as uh, unto myself so that 
we can daily glorify Him and go out into the world, the world that God has placed us in, where we're at, as we're going through life, as we're going through uh, the things of life, uh, in whatever location God has placed us, and uh, uh, wherever we are living, regardless of where that is and regardless of what is going on in the world or that location, we there by God's grace live, live godly. Live soberly. Uh, live in a denying of ungodliness. Denying worldly lusts. And there in the midst of it living righteously. Right in the very present age of what is going on. This very present time. In this generation God has allowed us to live in. To set forth his word. God has placed us at such a time as this to be here for his name's sake. We're not, we're not looking for the sure return of Jesus our Lord as some sort of a escape hatch, some way out, you know, get me out of here type of thing. Rather, we're looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ so that at long last he will get the full honor and glory and the fulfilling of Scripture that belongs to him. Here in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, we rejoice at uh, that beautiful little phrase about the Savior who gave himself for us. Gave himself for us so as to redeem us. He paid the proper price so that lawlessness would not be the rule of law that we would live by, but so that in this very present age, as his very precious people, we'd be zealous for him, zealous of that which is godly, zealous of good works. Good works are that which draw attention to God and away from ourselves. I fear there are many times we are not as zealous as we should be, could be, ought to be for the Lord. Also, I'm, I'm fearful that we're not always desiring to be as zealous as we could be. And even more fearful than that, than that is that perhaps we don't even care so much for the zealous good works of God. I see this portion of Scripture as a beginning point for us in this message to go to the history book of the church and to uh, contemplate a sermon there of that of, of uh, the present time. Remember we just read here in this present time. And when we look back into history a little bit and we think about time that's gone by and we look at the history, <coughs> excuse me, the history book of the church, we're those that uh, uh, look at it and see that God has had these things written down so that we would be encouraged in the midst of an age that cares little for the things of God. I enjoy reading uh, sermons in the Bible. Uh, uh, here's a sermon when you come to the book of Acts in chapter 12 and chapter 13. 
a sermon which many people enjoyed and many others did not wish to hear and despised it. This history book, the book of Acts, as I take our attention there, uh, is a book uh, that carries this title, Acts, the actions, the activities of the early disciples of the early church, the acts of the redeemed, actions for Jesus in the midst of a hostile world that did not want to hear about him. Now, Acts chapter 13 is a fascinating and exciting and very instructive uh, bit of history for God's redeemed people, for people living in the age that we're living in right now. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, we just pick up a little bit out of this verse, Acts 13, 1. Uh, jam-packed it is with many things, but just a little bit here in the, in the, toward the end of the verse, it says, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Manian, who had been brought up with, uh, with Herod. Uh, just so we know, uh, um, Herod Agrippa the first, who was born about 10 B.C., is a grandson of uh, the Herod we're perhaps more familiar with, the Herod there in Matthew chapter 2, who was the baby killer. Perhaps Mannion, uh, it appears, and perhaps he was a foster um, brother of Herod uh, uh, Antiphius, the Tetrarch uh, at, that, uh, at that time. I like the little phrase. I want us just to narrow in on it for a couple of minutes here. He was brought up with, brought up with, the, the word uh, stenophis, meaning a milk brother. Very interesting. A companion of childhood. Uh, one nourished with one. And uh, so it reminds us that two brothers, uh, here we have them, Manian and uh, Herod, uh, brought up in illustration-wise, uh, uh, brought up uh, two brothers nursing uh, at the same breast. That is, as brothers brought up together, Herod the ungodly, an unbeliever, brought up with Manion, who God by his uh, grace saves him. The Lord purchased him uh, and uh, uses him here as a servant in the local church. What a contrast. A vivid picture of God's grace that has appeared to all men. Yes, even to two brothers, nursing together, brought up by the same mom, brought up in royalty, and by God's mercy and grace, one becomes a laborer in a local church, and one uh, despising the things thereof. I was brought up in a fairly large uh, uh, home. Uh, there were three and a half uh, children, three and a half dozen of us, so it's a full house, a full table. And uh, the nine of us, as we would gather and uh, have our meals, and uh, as time went by, and uh, God, by his grace, out of nine kids, gave redemption to two. All heard the same gospel. 
all at times attended the same uh, country local church. And uh, of my knowledge, best I know, only two out of the nine have come to Christ. And, and here we have this picture. We're all brought up in the same place, the same home. You know, the greatness of God's grace and mercy to redeem a soul. And the same message preached and taught to all. So we have this little picture here reminding us as we give out the gospel into homes and locations that God by his mercy and grace indeed does uh, redeem out individuals unto himself. You know, this same history book records uh, in chapter 12, the history book of Acts, of some of Herod's uh, uh, ungodliness, how he harassed the church how he had James killed there in chapter 12, how he had Peter taken and thrown into jail, and how the Lord, by way of an angel released from heaven, came and released Peter uh, because of the prayer of the saints and the local church, that first church, uh, calling out to God as the church gathered together to carry on a work for the namesake of the Lord. It's a reminder to us of the great value of the church getting together for prayer, spending time in prayer, and how God, we're calling out God to release souls from the horrible situations in which many have found themselves, and so we pray specifically for them. I know a few weeks back, um, I uh, had the opportunity to take some Amish men to uh, uh, go to a, uh, a meeting where they would be, as they cut it, called it, manning the phones. They would be uh, sitting at a, a bank of two or three phones, waiting, for, trusting for a phone call to come in from an Amish girl who had been abducted or some information about her. And... Uh, as I, as I drove these two men into the home uh, where uh, the girl had lived and been brought up and mom and dad were there. And, but something else as I turned the corner caught my eye. There were 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 people gathered. It's just three weeks after the girl had been abducted. And it's lined with people, kids, over here are the teen girls all huddled together, and here on benches are men and women quietly talking, occasionally uh, singing, praying, encouraging. And, uh, and my heart was just taken back that here's, here's a local church body functioning the way it's supposed to. It's gathered, it's to give support, it's to encourage and it's to pray, and it's to be with one another in a, a challenging, difficult time. And here in chapter, chapter 12, we have a, a church gathered and praying and uh, remembering and looking for God to do a great work. And, and the same is true today. Yes, the church might not be able to get together in a building, but still uh, in our places where we are, we can pray and ask God to do a great work in the midst of uh, challenging times that are before us. God and His Word are not hindered 
by events and situations going on. And so we are those who uh, uh, would call out in a great way for God to open the door of heaven and let an angel out and let a Peter out and uh, send him forth to do the work <clears throat> that he's been called to do. So Herod... Herod being upset here in Acts chapter 12 gives the record that uh, he was angry at the guards and so he, he, uh, he took his anger out on the guards and, and uh, he, he went off to one of the many places his grandfather had built there in Israel in Caesarea. I think just kind of to pout and feel sorry about things. But the historical record is very interesting to read, a very political record that goes on uh, with regard to this man. And I'm just going to move us down into Acts and chapter 12 and down to, uh, down to verse 20. Uh, we're, we're reminded here how um, it says Herod had been very angry in the, uh, at the people of Tyre and Sidon. And uh, they came uh, to him with one accord. And having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend. We got political things going on here. They asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. And so on a set day, Herod, uh, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an uh, oration to them. And the people kept shouting the voice of a god and not of man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew Word of God multiplied. We got government aid. We got, we got bribes. We got political speeches. We got Herod being proclaimed as a God. And in the midst of all this political madness, in the midst of all that's going on in that present time, right in the midst of it, the Word of God comes forth as this, but the Word of God grew. In the midst of challenging times, in the midst of that which... Uh, uh, was indeed uh, far from the ways and the things of God. Herod, he kind of becomes the, the food for worms, and his brother Mannion, chosen by the Lord, ministers to others, gives out the word, and has a part in sending out uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, men that God ever called out to preach the gospel, Saul, who in his uh, becomes this human figure in church history, uh, but also becomes one of the most uh, abused people in human history because he preached the gospel, which had appeared to all people. When something is loved, it often can be very costly with regard to what's going on. But nothing stopped the Word of God from going forth uh, then, and nothing stops it now. And we keep that in mind moment by moment. Chapter 13 and verse 2 here of Acts, as they ministered to the Lord, as this local church carries on its ministry and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Godly people serving in the local church year in and year out are always alert 
to God's working in their midst with regard to certain individuals or even with regard to the entire church. And uh, the local church is always willing to pull out of its congregation. It is always willing to give of its best to the master. And here, the busiest, those serving, those uh, doing what was uh, godly for the namesake of the Lord are set out by the Lord. The local church sends them by way of the Spirit of God to uh, go forth. They give us a great illustration that uh, those that are busy serving the Lord are those that the Lord will use for him in more ways of going forth with the Word of God. And uh, we encourage that to be kept in our minds as we think about looking across the congregation and wondering what God will do with this one and that one and to see if there's a calling, a working in the life by the Word of God to send someone out from our midst giving the best to step forward for the Lord and press on for Him. And I must press on with regard to these few things together as well. In Acts 13 and in verse 4, these men are sent out and they, by the local church, and so they sail. And verse 5 tells us they, they arrived uh, for the preaching of the Word uh, and uh, I read just a little bit here because, the, again, the Word of God encourages us when we look into its history of how the Word is used in difficult times to bring forth fruit for His namesake and His glory. And I just believe that so the attention is upon God and not upon us with regard to whatever is going on. So these uh, uh, men, these missionary adventure, the, the, the first ever as it might be here. Now when they had gone through the isles of uh, Patmos and they found a certain sorcerer, Acts 13 and verse 6, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sigurus Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul. They sought to hear the word of God. What a thrill anytime you hear someone who says, I want to hear the scriptures. I want to hear the word of God. And, but uh, Elimus the sorcerer, for his name is, and so his name is interpreted, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Many years ago, when God had saved me and I was trying to encourage uh, some brothers to go with me to church, and uh, I was greatly discouraged in it by my father, who said, don't try to drag the rest of us down there to that church. And uh, you know, there's always that opposition with regard to when we're trying to encourage others to consider Christ, uh, to turn to Him. And then here in verse 9, it says, then, then Saul, uh, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently on him and said, Oh, uh, uh, full of all deceit and of fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you 
You shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, and astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Someone will always be about to discourage another who is turning to and thinking about the things of the Word of God, desiring what is there for the things of the Word of God. Many years ago, I was asked to call on a neighbor of one of the men of the church because he says, I think something's happening in his life. And uh, so I was looking for this gentleman, and, and uh, I found him out at a garden pathway and uh, sitting in a, a little a cove, and he had a big, big Bible in his hands. And as I talked with him, finding he was in his mid-80s, and he was crying, and, and he said, what does this mean? What does this mean? As he read the Scriptures, and I explained the scriptures to him, and uh, and uh, had that delight of seeing him come to Christ. But along came a a daughter and a son, and wanted to know what I was doing, and uh, and discouraged the man from listening to me. And uh, and uh, what's the matter with you? He's going crazy. And uh, so often the word of God is given, and the spirit of God begins to work in a life. And. And uh, there's someone there to discourage it. But the Word of God will do its work. It will do its job. It will bring to Himself those who are reading and thinking, and the Spirit of God will not be denied with regard to the saving uh, of a soul through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have this uh, uh, preaching that has gone on. And uh, just rejoicing with regard to uh, how God encouraged them of years and years gone by. The same encouragement is for us today. Keep on giving out the Scriptures and see what God will do with regard to it. Now, preachers are not supposed to read their sermons, so I fell into that trap long ago and read far too much with regard to things uh, uh, that I've written. But I would like to uh, kind of take a few moments and, and read a bit of a sermon here in Acts chapter 13 at this time. Uh, it is a, a bit of a lengthy sermon, though I must admit I've heard a few lengthy sermons from this pulpit anyway, so it fits right in and would be uh, very well done right here as we would read in Acts chapter 13, actually all the way from verse uh, verse 15 and, and following. So if you'd graciously listen and think, follow along with regard to the Scriptures here as uh, uh, Paul was invited to preach And uh, here's what the Scripture says. It says, After the reading of the law, Acts 13 and verse 15, After the reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler of the synagogue uh, sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up, motioning with his hand, and said, Men of Israel, And you who fear God, listen. And into the sermon he goes and gives a history of the nation of Israel. 
and uh, brings forth this sermon of reminders of God's working down through the years with regard to his nation and his people. And it says, the God of this people Israel chose our father, exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now, for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he uh, distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, uh, he raised up to them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached, and before his coming, uh, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John was finishing up his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he. But behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and the rulers, Because they did not know him, nor even the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when he had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but... God raised him up from the dead. He was seen many days of those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to uh, to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled all this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, As it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And when he had raised him up from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to see corruption, for David after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But, no, but he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, he kind of, the conclusion of the sermon, therefore, 
Let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. Scripture tells us here that after the preaching of the sermons, so, uh, when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that the words might be preached again the next Sabbath. And they were, and they came, and they preached. Uh, many devout people came. Many, many were persuaded to continue in the grace of God, Scripture reminds us here of. But many did not like the preaching of the word. And uh, many were angry with it blaspheming and opposing it, so much so that Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And so the Lord has commanded, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. It's a great sermon. I could read it again. Trust you will. And think again upon it and rejoice with regard to the manifestation. God manifests his word. He sets it forth through, through preaching, the heralding of the word, the re- setting forth of it. When I read this message and think about the, the words here in, in scriptures and the, the, the method that Paul had of teaching and preaching the word, I sometimes think I've missed the mark over the years in giving out the word of God because so often I have started uh, uh, where in the ministry of the message, the preaching, and so on, uh, I've started where uh, I should have finished. I should have uh, started at another point to get to where I needed to go. That is the entire message, beginning to end. Sometimes we talk to individuals about Christ and, and we, we uh, think in a few little words is all that uh, we, need to, we need to give. And here we're just reminded that the need of giving out the, the, the message of God from beginning to end. I recall many years ago at a, uh, as a new Bible school student and uh, we'd gone to a jail service to uh, our place to give out a service at the jail, and uh, and this was a large, large jail where where everyone could see everyone else. Uh, everyone had separate cells, but there was just bars between maybe thirty or forty. Uh, uh, jails and people in the jails. And so we talked to the, the men 
individually about the things of the scriptures. And one of my uh, now friends, who I was just getting to know at that time, uh, someone asked him, could, could you explain to me the things of the Bible? So this young man, he sits down with him, and he started in a book called Genesis. And three hours later, lunch is over at Bible school. There's nothing for us to eat. Time has gone by. Uh, others are restless. <clears throat> we wait and wait because we're his ride home. And, uh, and uh, when he finishes up, and uh, uh, the man says, I never heard that before in my life. Thanks for sharing the gospel with me. And I've thought of that oftentimes, that we get in such a hurry to us. We need to spend time to set forth step by step the things of the workings of God that came down to the cross, that came down for this uh, purpose set forth here. As we have read, therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. The great message, beginning to end, it's all about Christ from Genesis and thereafter. Our attention to pull everything kind of together this morning is back here to verse 36. Of Acts 13 and 36, it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption, the body uh, destroyed. Served God in his generation. He served God's purpose for that time. It's a fascinating statement. Paul, who knew the history of Israel and sets forth all the information we have read here and gets down to this point, and he says, he, of David who served his, in his own generation by the will of God. And a reminder to us here at this time of serving God in our generation in the time he has placed us here, the ESV Bible puts it this way on page 2111, and I quote, Though he was not sinless, David was for the most part faithful to God, and thus he fulfilled God's purpose for his life. Faithfulness would be the goal and should be the goal of every Christian in every generation. By comparison, Jesus' ministry lasts forever. My ministry and yours are limited, very limited. This is all that we have right now in which to serve him. Whatever chronological age we are at, is the age that God has brought us to, that we at this age would be zealous of godly things for his name's sake. 
like David. Everything accomplished in harmony with God's plan for us comes to an end on this earth. We can accomplish no more here for God after death. Christ indeed does. This is the time we are living in. God has chosen to have us to be living here now. This is our time and place to accomplish his purpose. As we live on whatever road it is or in whatever town it is or or in whatever apartment it is, we think, I picked out this apartment, this home, this place because I liked it on this street this way. Uh, God is the one who places us where we are. That he'd have a living testimony of himself there. Someone to set forth to that area of the things of, of the Word of God, to be a testimony of him. We know God's testimony of David here. Uh, and he raised up David, a man after his own heart. He says, who will do all my will. That's God's testimony of David. I wonder sometimes what's God's testimony about me. What's his testimony about us? What, I've, what have I been doing or am I doing in this present generation, in this present time in history, at this time to bring glory to him right here and now? All Scripture examines our hearts and through multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of sermons preached over many, many, many years. We've heralded out the Word of God and left it with God to do His work as He would see fit with regard to it. I read an interesting little news clip a few weeks back of a woman blind taken out each day to sit in a park bench in front of a library. She was being threatened to be arrested because she was doing something. She was giving out the gospel of John. She knew the Lord. She she said, I could do nothing else, but I sit on the park bench, and if I sense that someone has come and sat down beside me, I... I talk to them, I'm friendly with them, and I offer them a copy of the Gospel of John. Now she's being threatened and that she was harassing people. And I thought to myself, oh to God, that someone, someone would see it of sufficient value to threaten me just once in my lifetime for seeking to give to someone in my generation a copy of the Gospel of John. Oh, that God would use us in that way. We close this sermon as it closes here in the in the book of Acts, we recall this uh, 
this ending as many were listening and glad and joyful to hear the Word of God, and that it spread throughout the area where they were preaching. But they were asked, the, the, the missionaries were asked to leave. And the Scripture says in Acts thirteen fifty one, as they shook off the dust from their feet against them, they came to Iconium. And then it adds this, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were counting it joy that they'd been able to give out the Word of God and present the convicting work of the Spirit of God. I often use the statement, and it trust it encourages us here today, that when the Word of God is given by the people of God, depending upon the Spirit of God, it will in God's time produce fruit that will remain and press on with the gospel of Christ. We'll pass away, perhaps by a virus or just plain old age or some other sickness. It really doesn't matter because the emphasis is Jesus and his message shall live on. It will continue. And we've had the delight of being a servant of his. Our Father, use your word for your namesake, for your glory. This day we pray in Christ's name. Amen.